heart and soul of a nation, beckons the call. The voice of our forefathers heard in the distance. A house divided against itself cannot stand. To reclaim our honor. honor. Our soul. The challenges of a generation call out. Future generations hang in the balance. We choose liberty. This is the voice of a nation. The nation. The nation. The nation. And now, Malcolm. Well, it was a super late night uh, for many of us that were watching the returns come in and uh, knowing that we would really never get to the end of this thing. But uh, just the same, uh, we wanted to see where those last few uh, pivotal races would fall. Uh, and as we still continue to do that, friends, uh, it's, uh, for some people, they might say it was a remarkable election. For others, uh, pretty unremarkable. Uh, what I'm curious in is the mind of an American voter is is what's on my mind today. Uh, what what is it that drives us to vote in the way that we vote? Really trying to break it down. You know, it it surely can be very difficult to, to put the shoe on the other foot uh, when the shoe just doesn't fit. You know, and that really is the sense of politics in America today. Everything is uh, ideological driven. Uh, there's an ideology in all the decisions we make and why we make them, and it's how we vote. And, and, and I'm very curious as to what it takes to come off of that uh, ideological train. You know, what, is it, what does it take to, to deviate from the normal path of how you've, uh, how you've always voted or how your family voted? What does it take to change people's minds, I wonder? You know, I mean, really, politics is very personal. And, and we, we do internalize it. And I mean, it impacts our lives. It's our quality of lives. And it comes back to us thinking about what, what's the future of this country really look like? And there are some, some really uh, troubling signs. Uh, the trend lines are indeed troubling when you look at them. So trying to make sense of the midterm election and where do Americans go from here? That is the subject matter today, my fellow Americans, and to all of our dear friends around the globe. Welcome into the voice of a nation here. So we're dealing with things like, okay, uh, economy, uh, crime, inflation, energy, open borders, parental rights. I mean, these are life quality issues, to be sure. I mean, if you don't have those things going in your direction, what do you have left? Uh, oh, uh, abortion and climate change, basically. So here's the thing. Is it that the Americans who voted in the way that they voted, this blue and red, that voted blue uh, for these kinds of continuing policies that we've been seeing over the last couple of years from the Biden administration, is it that they like a failing economy? Is this something they they relish, they enjoy? Do they like crime on the streets? Is, is that what they want? How about high gas bills? They haven't paid twice as much at the gas uh, pump, right? Uh, and an uncertain energy future. What does that look like when energy is decimated, you know? Uh, drugs killing our kids. Uh, fentanyl, opioids, uh, you know, drug cartels running our cities. 
the economic instability that comes with reckless illegal immigration policy. You would think that would pretty well affect a lot of people. Open borders that invite terrorists in. Now, that's that's something that, you know, that that only becomes a problem when it's a problem up until, you know, until it exposes its ugly head, the evil. It's not going to be a problem, clearly, but someday that's going to be another problem for folks. And then there'll be uh, a lot of soul searching when that happens. I, I guarantee you, you know, schools, right? Educators that teach and promote perverted sexual deviance, the books, the trans agenda, the CRT, the racist attitudes, the indoctrination of generations, so, I mean, are these things important to the average American? You know, to some, they are. To others, uh, probably not. It's, it's a head-scratcher, isn't it? If these major life issues are not enough to change the minds of real Americans, what is it that will change those minds? What exactly will do it? If all of the things I just described, and is that the self-induced pain they're looking for in their lives? Is that what they want? Is that what they live for? I mean, who are these people, right? Are they our, our, are they our friends? Are they our neighbors? Are they our brothers and sisters? Who are they exactly? You know, you, you see some of the trends around the country and the way the New England states, as an example, the way they consistently vote. You, you have to question, what's the quality of life up like there? You know, is is that what they want? Is that what they like? Is that what they live for? Are, are they comfortable with that? Is that all they know? Does it matter to them? Do they not know there's a brighter future? Maybe I, I don't know. Is the vast majority of them just so locked into their lives? They just, eh, they just think that's the the doom and gloom is part of the fabric of their life. Could that be it? I, I question that. I wonder that. You see, when states like Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, I mean, and of course New York, <laughs> you know, from New York and then into New England, and you see those states. I mean, for a mod, they, they have uh, they have a socialist uh, senator. And you'll have to begin to really question, you know, what kind of quality of life are they comfortable with? Do they aspire to a higher life, a higher calling? Do they think they can get there with these sort of policies? You know, that that's uh, it's real troubling, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, that's really breaking it down. But, but if we, you know, want to really understand the trajectory of our country and what we have to look forward to in our lifetime, friends, over the next 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years for some, right? What does that look like? What's our life going to look like? I mean, we're always duking it out in these elections, to be sure, but what kind of quality of life is it? Are, are we are we just doomed to, to be this way all the way through and just fight with each other? And accept whatever comes our way, whatever the breadcrumbs are, however it falls. Or maybe we're making too much out of it on a national scale. Maybe we should just be self-centered and worry about our own lives and say, what the hell with the rest of it? I can't change it anyways. 
You hear the words, a divided America. That is surely an understatement today, my fellow Americans. It is surely an understatement. But it gets deeper than that. It gets deeper looking at the, the ideology behind all this and a lot of the brainwashing that goes on. Because politics is brainwashing. And it's really done and done with the partnership through the mainstream media, all of the media outlets. I mean, they're, they're central to a lot of these themes. I mean, they these are still Americans, and for the most part, and they also fall into the same questions I just asked. What kind of life are they looking for? I mean, they promote untruths. They lie. They want radical agenda. Do they care about the economy, the crime, the inflation, the energy, the open borders, the parental rights? Do they care about any of that? Yeah. Do they care about terrorists? Right. Do they care about uh, uh, these um, uh, the 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 fentanyl, the the opioids, the death that goes with that, the open borders? Is that or is it more important to what to just say that it's our civic duty? to take anyone in from around the world and leave the borders open for all the evil in the world that could possibly come in. I mean, what could possibly good come out of that, friends? So maybe that's another way to look at it. What possibly good could come out of an open border policy? What? I mean, what? That we're somehow doing some sort of our earth duty? Our worldly duty? Is this what it's supposed to be? I mean, what good comes out of that? And for people who vote in these races for Biden policies, leftist Marxist policies, they're basically voting for all of that. That's what they want. So you, you have to really bang your head a little bit and say, what's up with these people? What kind of a quality life do they aspire to? Why would they vote for those kinds of policies? They can't be good for themselves. They can't be good for their families, their loved ones, their children, the people they love around them, can they? I mean, can fentanyl and opioid and open borders and high crime and double the gas price, can, can all that be good for those people? What's the trade-off? What's the trade-off, people? Ah, what's the trade-off? They can have an abortion whenever they want it? They what? The sky is falling and we're going to save the planet because, you know, because we've never had our, our, our climate has never changed in the history of mankind. And that's a fear right now that it's changing, but it's never changed before in all the history of mankind. But now climate change is a thing. And that appears to be all that that uh, I guess potentially that excited, it appears that's what excited the the remnants of the Democrat party. That's what was left. It, it, and I really, you know, the underlying thing on all this, how bad does it get before that narrative changes, before, you know, people realize the climate's gonna always change and people are making a lot of money off of this narrative. They're getting fat, happy, and rich, quick. Why you succumb and change your lifestyle upside down and they fly around on expensive planes and yachts and live the high life of you know what. Why they preach the sky is falling to the rest of us. That is a definition of socialism.
It's a definition of a Marxist agenda, people. You know, it's uh, it is it is it's mind mind blowing, isn't it? You know, it really is mind blowing. These false narratives of abortion and climate change seem to be what it, what at the very end excited uh, the populace on the left, the Democrats that share that ideology. Uh, that you know, I think some of those people get caught into that trap and they're voting. I think a lot of people get caught into that trap, actually. They go in and they vote D's and R's because they're supposed to, because their family does, because their grandmother did, because their spouse did right now, their husband, their wife, their others, and that's what they're... So they're doing their, what they believe is their civic duty, following the ideology and voting accordingly. That is happening all over our country, and I'm here to report to you, it is it is a, a sick way to run a country. It, it is a sick operation, to be sure. Nothing good can come from out of this following our ideology and not following the quality of life and the truth that changes life for the better. I mean, because you look at those policies, any human being, anybody that's got a brain, two arms, two legs, a couple of eyes, potentially, and some brain cells that are moving around, you have to look at those policies. Is that a good trade-off? I'm, so I'm going to trade in if this was really a, a trading game or you're selling your houses and motels on Monopoly, potentially, right? Well, I'll, I'm going to give you, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you the economy, the crime, the inflation, the decimating of the energy, the open borders, the fentanyl, the opioid, the parental rights, the perversion, uh, um, we're, we're going to take all of that. We're, we're going to be okay with all of that. We're going to take all of that on, provided I can still provide an abortion. I can still get that abortion. Or that you promise me you're going to stop the weather from changing. If you stop the weather from changing, you allow us to abort the kids, I'm going to accept all of those other things. I'm okay with that. What kind of world are we living in, friends? What exactly kind of world are we living in? That is a horrible trade-off for any human being. So then you have to ask yourself, well, why are they going that way? How are they convinced? How deep does that ideology run into the fabric of their soul? How? Why? I mean, their grandmother's potentially gone now. Does she really care? Will she care? Is she going to damn them somehow from the afterlife because they voted their their new conscience and voted what was best for their children and their families and you know all of these other life issues that are massive in scope and size and what you know where does that mindset come from right and and these and these issues if, if you know the abortion in, in climate change that uh, you know, are, they're, they're so overstated and overplayed. It, it's it's outrageous. You know the timing of the Supreme Court doing this. I so regret that right now. I have to tell you, I I really regret that. I I do. I regret, and I had a I had a sinking feeling, sinking because this this is a this is a, a part in the Red Sea sort of divide issue. You know, my body, my choice. Get the hell out of my, uh, you know, uterus. You know, um, this is a very divisive. I, I, I've been in the faces of some 
people who I like, actually. And uh, they'll turn on the dime. They get very, very uh, unsettled and um, uh, very ugly, very ugly when this topic comes up. I mean, I've had them happen. I've, some of those people I haven't talked to in some years, I'd, I'd love to reconnect with them to get them on and have that conversation today. It's been a while, uh, but out on the West Coast, you know. And that's the way they think. It, it is their body, their choice, uh, their uterus. They're going to do whatever the hell they want, and you're not going to stop them. But here's the thing. The media just blew that out totally. It was never – it's not in the Constitution. It was not put in there with the framers. It was not part of that mandate. It should have never happened Roe v. Wade to begin with. It's a states' rights issue. This is where the government just overplays everything. And the, this is where the power of the Tenth Amendment needs to come back to the states, which is one of the things I talk about all the time. Uh, we have a runaway government for this reason. And they want to nationalize everything. You know, it's one thing to have guidelines, like even the election, the, the debacle of why can't Arizona count votes, for God's sakes? Why? 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 Why can't they count votes? Are they that unintelligent here that they can't count votes? Why haven't states having trouble counting the votes? You know, then the machines are always breaking or things are happening. And then it leaves a lot of people uncomfortable. I guess suspect. But why? Can't we, can't we do something? So maybe there are some guidelines we can share amongst the 50 states to say, hey, listen, here's a roadmap. Maybe you like have some machines that work, number one that can count the votes, that would be the first suggestion we have, to pay your electric bill so they operate on election day or whatever that's worth, okay? And um, and three, let, let's not do any of this cheating stuff now. And you know, just get some basic principles in place. One person, one vote. One living person, one vote, not from the graveyard. And they have to be a, they have to be a citizen here. You can't vote because you, you know, hijack the system and come in illegally. That's insanity. That's not too much to ask, is it? I mean, that, that's that's the fear rules of the game. It's like when you were a kid and you play a game, you always have the rules, right? We don't have any rules today. Everybody's doing that. That's why it's no longer the United States. It's chaos. Chaos. I mean, there's a fine line from mandate and making everything big government, but there's another line about having some guidelines that we have some semblance of order. And that we do look like we're people who might potentially get along as humans on the planet. And we happen to share some equal space here and call the United States of America. That was the whole united vision of our framers, our, uh, the way this thing was put together. It was, it was a, a connecting force that united these souls to say, yeah, we don't want to live under that king. We don't want to pay those taxes. We don't want to have those horrible quality of life. We want to have something different. And we want it to be run by we, the people. We, the people, by the people, for the people. We are the people. We are the divided people. We are the people that are being taken down some roads that I don't think people fully understand. You know, this whole idea and concept that the Supreme Court changed abortion, the only thing they did is gave it back to states' rights and say, this wasn't part of our mandate. This wasn't part of the Constitution. I mean, they, the Supreme Court, those justices, they're supposed to represent and protect the Constitution of the United States. Not all these state issues and all these things that, and then the federal government that takes it all on, and then it goes back to the Supreme Court. And 
It's like the Supreme Court has become their cheap uncle. You know, when the, when the executives or the politicians don't get what they want, God forbid, they go to the courts. It's what they always do. They we legislate by, uh, but but you know by by the courts. It, that's what this has become now. And uh, you know, I I, I think uh, that uh, th this abortion thing is clearly out of context. A lot of people believe their this abortion thing has uh, somehow you know the cats in robes and the Republicans have wrote. Now there's there's a strong philosophical difference about pro-choice and pro-life. And I mean, we get that uh, people and what conditions you can do that and can't do that. And, but the thing is, it wasn't really a, shouldn't be a, uh, a federal one size fits all. That was the real idea. And I, you know, the timing of that was sadly very inappropriate. I would have rather had that decision made next month or next week or in January or something after the election. So it could not have weighed in on that. But the psych, the psych game we play here, now we see abortion weighed in heavily into this equation. Um, some people would argue that back and say, well, Malcolm, we saved a lot of lives in the process. And I hear you. I hear you. This is a fight of good and evil. Clearly, we never lose sight of that, friends, ever. And abortion fits that narrative, doesn't it now? Hmm. And the other one, the fact that uh, people are playing with climate change and the fact that people think they can stop the, the climate from changing. And as soon as the Democrat uh, DNC and the party d stops the climate from changing, I'll go ahead and begin to vote uh, Democrat at that point when that happens. How's that? I'll attest to that today and put my hand on a Bible and suggest that I will do that. When they can totally change the climate and completely and make it totally safe for everybody, and the sky is not going to fall anymore, we'll all go ahead and vote Democrat. Uh, that's, this is another one of these topics that is completely out of context. And yet that's what the Democrat Party ran on. It's what the DNC put forth. They had nothing else to run on, friends. They couldn't run on the economy, the crime, the inflation, the energy, the open borders, the sexual perversion, the parental rights. Couldn't run on any of that. Couldn't run on any of that at all. So they ran on the fact that they can change the climate, like just like, uh, you know, the God, part of the Red Sea for Moses, the same way. We're going to change the climate of the world. It's another Moses episodic deal here, you see? And uh, the abortion thing. Going to allow you to murder your kid because it is your body, your uterus. You can do whatever the hell you want to do with it. Just don't bother us. And that's... That's the narrative of the party. So you look at those two parties and, you know, you say what you want, friends. But if there are Christians or people of faith in the Democrat Party, if they really do exist there, they are leave, li living a facade of a life, aren't they now? It is clearly a party of evil. There is no other way to say it. And if that happens to be your ideology, you're in that, I highly recommend you change it quickly. But if you look at that's their campaign that they can offer, climate change and abortion, and that's it. None of the other real issues that impact our lives are of concern. And that's how you're voting. You are voting for evil. That's those that's an evil agenda.
That's all it is. And their goal is to get what the Supreme Court to put abortion back into play so that it's mandated throughout the land. Of course. But in fact, the government, the Biden administration has been doing this thing through the Pentagon, you see, or maybe you don't see where the Pentagon will pay to be able to move you across state lines. They'll pay all those people in the military. No worries. We'll fly you to wherever you want to fly to and get that abortion that you so need so you don't have the kid. Yeah, that's uh, that's the Pentagon. And, and the government is, they're trying to find all kinds of ways to work around the Roe v. Wade thing. They're trying to find all kinds of, of methods and mythologies to keep that evil chain train running. But again, at the very least, if we can just decide that it's, it doesn't belong in our, it's not in our constitution, it doesn't belong in the federal government and it's states' rights. And if, if that's at least a start an argument, okay? And then certain states can do their thing. The Californias and New Yorks will offer it as always. And other states such as uh, Tennessee and Florida and Texas will not. At least that's a starting point for the United States, we're not going to unite on everything. We understand that. We're different people, different cultures, and different environments. We see that. But it's better than federalizing everything and nationalizing everything we do live and breathe at the federal level. It's one thing to have guidelines. It's another thing to force it onto the people. I hope you agree with that. But that's what I see there. So in essence, this election, that had come down to uh, two schools of thought. It's all the life issues of all the things we talk about. The economy, crime, inflation, energy, open borders, drugs running rampant, parental rights, perversion, indoctrination, all of these things, drug cartels. That's one area right there. And the other area is abortion and climate change. We're the party of abortion, and we're going to stop the climate from changing. That's the party we offer. There's a clear choice. And yet, with all of that, my fellow Americans, this country went ahead and it did not give any kind of an overwhelming majority. There is no mandate here uh, for somebody to govern in our country. It's wishy-washy politics. That's what is at play here to move forward now. Complete head bashing. Uh, and that's what you've got. And, you know, great. Wall Street, the the business, a lot of these folks, they... They want a divided government. I get that. We understand that. They want a divided government. A lot of people do want that because what it does is it slows it down because they're beating the hell out of each other. That's where a lot of their energy is spent. And in which case, they can't move the agenda forward at all. So it becomes a stalemate. You know, it's like a it's like a bad chess game. It's just a total stalemate. Nothing happens. Uh, Wall Street actually can find that very uh very rewarding rather than like what's happened over the last two years where they had all the branches and they blew inflation uh, through <laughs> through through the universe well through the roof it's in the outer reaches of the universe uh, the economy i'm speaking of you know all of that is a result of a lot of the reckless spending and all the crazy things they did because they ran the whole they, they ran the table they ran the table uh, and they did it with Joe Manchin, who absolutely, even even with Joe Manchin telling Biden off just before the election, called him right out on the carpet, laid him out, sucker punched him, bang, bang, boom, you're down. I mean, and Manchin was the one that gave him that build back better to bankruptcy deal. He was the one that, you know, they strong armed because they're really effective at sticking together over there. 
and asserting their power. They're very, very effective. Something the Republicans don't do well at all, which we'll see again over the next couple of years with the very small minority in the House. We'll see how that works out, right? Uh, you know, that's going to be become uh, a real circus as well right there. And, uh, you know, with the House and how that governs out and how, we'll see how all the rest of the numbers fall on this thing and what the final equation is as people figure out and turn the electric on and figure out their voting machines to count the votes in a reasonable amount of time. You'd think they would count the votes in Zimbabwe somewhere, right? Uh, or in China, you know, but uh, that's still remarkable in the year 2022 that our states can't count votes expeditiously and give us the numbers in a real sense of order. Here's your winners, here's your losers for the night. Okay, we'll do the final count, put that into the machine, and then we can look at it as a country. And maybe that's a wish we should have moving forward, that in the future somewhere, somehow, we'll know on election night what happened. We won't have to stay up as I did till four in the morning with eyes, with toothpicks holding up your eyeballs to see what just took place, you know. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Hmm. Simple, simple things we can request, of course that we'd like them to figure out or fix. And you'd think after the last failed elections, they would have figured that out, but they still haven't figured that out. Uh, yeah. So just uh, one week before the election day, uh, an increase in number of Americans said that inflation was the most urgent issue facing the country. Okay, that was the biggest issue coming in was, and that was from the Quinnipiac uh, poll, Poland, and uh, it was going to be inflation and uh, the over elements of the economy, which is normally what it is. At the end of the day, it was not enough. The economy did not run this election because it was not a wave. It was nothing. It, it was a little uh, sprinkle. It was a like the storm we thought was brewing. And, and we've seen those storms before, actually. You know, you step outside, you see the really dark gray clouds coming in. It looks it looks pretty vicious, and it's going to be a hell of a storm. And as the storm appears and gets a little closer and closer and closer, and the gray wasn't quite so dark, and it's just a little bit of pitter-patter, just a little light sprinkle. Didn't really water the grass much. You have to still get the hose out, people. But it was just a little pitter-patter, and that's it. That's all there was to it. The great clouds didn't deliver this time. Maybe another day. It's exactly what happened, friends, in the midterm elections of 2022 and the year of our Lord. Well, it was a uh, unremarkable election and a sad state of affairs in America that uh, real Americans didn't stand up for truth and the rule of law, didn't stand up to secure the next generation. It's a very sad state of affairs, actually. Uh, we can sit and begin to think that uh, even, even those of us who are optimists, I believe we still live in the greatest country, in the greatest land, on the greatest planet, in the greatest universe, and the greatest existence of all kind. And maybe that's true. And we still have to question, is this all there is? Is this it? Is, is this what it comes down to? And is it just all ideology driven? And why is it ideology, ideology driven? And I'll tell you what, when you look at the trend lines, I'm telling you, over the last, oh, 40 years, 40 years, that's come from Reagan forward, it's, it, it's 
concerning. The trend lines are deeply concerning. And listen, the question to ask is, are Americans satisfied or dissatisfied with the way things are going in these United States at this moment of time? How would you answer that, friends? Is the electorate satisfied or dissatisfied with the way things are going in the United States at this time? If they are dissatisfied, why did they not vote accordingly? What stopped them from doing that? Abortion, change of the climate, the ideology, don't care about the rest of the issues. They're important, but not quite as important as these other things. Is that it? And I think that's a question all Americans need to answer. Well, that question was asked by Gallup, very significant. And they've been asking that question for years, actually. And if we look at that question and look at where the trend lines are over the last 40 years, it tells a little bit of a story, which is part of what I'd like to do today with you as we peel this thing, friends, still in the mind of an American voter. It's like, what happened? I don't, we, we just got hit. Uh, we got ambushed. All right, sideswiped in the intersection. What does that look like, really? Where are we at? And how do we pick up the remnants of this as a nation? And what do we have to look forward to over the next couple of years as we now reach higher to 2024? And does this mean, for those who still see that shiny city on a hill, does this mean that there's a bigger opportunity in 2024? Is that when the real red wave comes in? Is that when the tsunami is indeed happening? Is that when Americans take the country back? Is that what that's all about, friends? Do, is, does, is that when it happens? Did we just need more time to get it out there? Was there more pain that needed to happen, I wonder? Was it just more pain? Did people need to bleed more and understand the economic demise and the, the rampant crime and the, the skyrocketing inflation and the, 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 the dysfunction of our energy, the illegal trade and immigration, the fentanyl and opioid crisis, and the open borders and the future terrorist disasters we're going to experience because of these policies, and the perversion in our schools, and the indoctrination, and the parental rights out the window, and the government mandating and running a pedophile file a few, ring, if you will, for our kids in the future. Hmm. Is that the kind of America that America is embracing? That, my friends, is a hell of a fight and an argument, isn't it? It's a fight of good and evil. Or the fact that we just got the rights to abort and the government can secure the climate and play Moses with the Red Sea with the climate, and then we're all happy. And you can take the rest of it, and we'll live in a communist country and a hellhole for the rest of it, right? It just seems to be where we're at, my fellow Americans here. Well, on top of all of this, uh, the most important thing is uh, keep your health there. If you don't have your health, what do you have with that? If you don't have your politics right now and you don't have the policies you want and you have a failing country, uh, I don't know, you've got a couple of choices here, friends. Either keep your health in good shape coming into the winter flu season and with all of the problems out there, or uh, maybe it's time it's got such a bleak look it doesn't matter otherwise, uh, does it? I don't know. <laughs> I'll let you decide that. Uh Hmm. Maybe that didn't come off qu quite right, but in any event, um, 
I, I do think that, uh, you know, as we look around and we, 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 we understand the quality of life and the value of life and, uh, and, and understand that having a healthy immune system is vitally important. Um, you know, fixing this, uh, these, uh, our political system would also be equally important, but you know, we can only do the message is this friends. We can only impact what we can impact. We can only change what we can change. We can, and it's, it's a, something I was just telling my daughter the other day in college, you know, you, listen, I mean, it might be a tough morning, might be this, might be that, but you know what? Change the things you can change and cut your losses short and the rest of it and move forward. I mean, we're all looking. I think most of my listeners want a quality of life. We we want the best out of life that we can aspire to, you know, and we care about people. We we love our country, love our country passionately. We want the best for everybody. And we surely want the best for our families and our circle of people we love, right? One of the ways to do that, friends, is the power of healthy cell. To be sure, healthy cell, there is nothing else like it. Healthy cell. It's a micro gel, so it's uh, it's in a little convenient package. You travel with it, so easy. Immune super boost, just take it out of the package into your mouth, gone, done. Vitamin C, vitamin D3, zinc, echinacea extract, elderberry extract, it's all in there. And the absorption into your body is, a, it, I'm telling you, there's nothing like it. There's no chalky vitamin you're taking that is going to stand up to the power of my, this micro gel. And this is the beauty of healthy cell. Okay, so you've got that. You've got focus and recall, brain fog, brain power. You need brain power. A lot of people struggle with brain fog, long COVID. Ah, focus and recall is fantastic. Same thing in the microgel in the package. That one's tangerine orange taste. The uh, immune super boost is a berry taste. You can put in a little bit of water if you want, two, three, four, five ounces of water, down it with some other things, or just take it right out of the package. Tastes good. Nothing to it. And have a healthy immune system as I do. And that's the way to do it. Our listeners get 25% off the first order. Use the code out loud or just click the banner ad back at America Out Loud. While you're there, look at the nasal hygiene, Cofix RX. Cofix, a couple of squirts in your left nose, your right nose, your nostrils there. Well, you only have one nose, actually, but the left nostril, the right nostril, right? Clearly, I'm just going to say people have two noses, right? A left nose and a right nose. Now put it in your nostrils and let that get right up there. The Cofix, couple of squirts, and with povidine iodine will kill the pathogens, the viruses, the flu, SARS-CoV-2, superbugs, uh, mold is a problem, all these things. I highly, highly recommend uh, Cofix RX. Our listeners get 20% off that. Use the code out loud, cofixrx.com forward slash out loud. Or as always, you know the drill, the banner ads back at americaoutloud.com. Well, let me draw those trend lines out for you in just a moment here. We'll hold hands together and sing Kumbaya or cry together over our spilt milk here. Join me on the other side here, friends. You're listening to the voice of a nation. Our global experts are brilliant writers and engaging hosts on a mission of a lifetime. You'll find the latest news and inspiration on the front page of AmericaOutloud.com. While many things we hear are lies, we know one thing is true. Viruses exist and people get sick. Look, there's no guaranteed way to keep from getting sick, but there is a way to reduce your chances. Cofix RX, the original povidone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray that you hear Dr. McCullough talking about, provides an additional invisible layer of protection from colds, flu, coronaviruses, and more. 
Click the banner ad on AmericaOutloud.com and use promo code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Stay protected with Cofix RX. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. My fellow Americans, this is Malcolm Outloud. You know, a few years back, I was in corporate boardrooms offering counsel to business executives worldwide. It was important and demanding work, but out of the corner of my eye, maybe like you, I was watching some dangerous trends in our nation. Marxist teachers and professors brainwashing our children. A media that was not just biased, but complicit and overly partisan, an offshoot of the Democrat Party even and the progressive culture that was shutting down even violently any voices that challenge these radical ideas and tactics. Well, AmericaOutloud.com was born at that very moment. Well, it was a challenge I could no longer ignore, and I joined forces with some of the nation's most influential voices to bring you the real news and discussions that Americans need to hear at this crucial crossroads in American history. It is a fight for the soul of humanity. America Out Loud Talk Radio is the voice of liberty and justice for all. Welcome back into the voice of a nation. It is indeed Malcolm Out Loud here, yours truly, and we are on the other side of the midterm elections. Amen. Hallelujah. Now we have to look forward to the next one in 2024, of course. And and we we know there's a lot of uncertainties in our nation. There's a lot to decide. A lot will happen. Uh, You know, our job now is to point out what may not be so obvious to other people. That's the point of this program. It's the program of the, the voice of a nation here that I do with you every day at 6 and 11 here. On America Out Loud Talk Radio, it's exactly that point. To point out the things that may not be so obvious to all Americans. Now, I really need your help to get more independents and moderates, our Democrat friends, to come over and listen to a voice of reason, a voice of a nation, a voice of Malcolm Out Loud. That's that's it. It's all I can ask for. Bring some friends, pack a lunch, bring a brown bag, whatever you got, and join us here every day. As we roll the out loud truth out from sea to shining sea. I mean, where else are you going? This is the best in broadcasting right here. So get on the mountaintops and tell people about it, please. And let people know we life, liberty, it's all here. We got the got it all out there. And 
shining city in a hill. We are tempted to shine that and rebuff that city up and 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 save future generations. It's what this is all about. Let's dive into the trend lines now on this election. Let me share with you what I see here. Uh, so that question I posed to you there uh, before the break was the, uh, it's a question that uh, Gallup has been asking since 1980, okay? So you go back a few years there, right? 42 years, right? 42 years. We are in the year 20. 22 of our Lord. Going to be a new year soon, friends. Going to be a new... Be singing Happy New Year to each other soon. You know that. Toast and champagne. Well, let's bring it back to 1980. And the trend lines that question they ask is, uh, in general, are you satisfied or dissatisfied with the way things are going in the United States at this time? Now, I want you to think about that question. I want you to think about the fact that uh, Gallup's been asking that question to Americans since 1980. For 42 years, they've been asking that question. In general, are you satisfied? Are you dissatisfied with the way things are going in the United States at this time? It's a very, very interesting, very compelling question to ask. How have Americans been answering that question? And so, you know, back in the 80s, and if we do the math and we start to look here, to give you an example, through the 80s, Ronald Reagan was in office. Now, let's follow the psychology here, please, okay? All right? Ronald Reagan was in office, and Ronald Reagan had a, had a vision. He was the shine of city on a hill guy. He was the patriotic, you know, he kind of was a bookend to a lot of things we've experienced in our country, and he... It, he just was here at a very interesting time of life for most of us. And the trend lines of that question, uh, when they started asking with Gallup, actually went up in the 50, 60% range. In fact, in uh, 85, 86, it was as high as 66%. That's incredible. That's That was the answer that they they were satisfied. They were satisfied. Uh, with the way things are going in the United States. That's what that trend meant. So the 60, um, 66%. I'll put this whole graph and chart in uh, the post when this goes to podcast. I'd love you to see this. I think it's quite fascinating. It tells a story. So Reagan had us as believing in our country. He had people pretty satisfied. Economy was doing really well. Uh, things were looking good. Uh, and then after Reagan, of course, and uh, and we do we we look at Reagan was here through 81 through eighty nine he governed okay, and then after Reagan was uh, his vice president George Bush read my lips no new taxes, uh, he was here from eighty nine to ninety three he's a one term president very clearly, and we look at that till ninety three to ninety five here and it dropped that satisfaction dropped remember he he decimated he had a lot of problems with the economy we had the recession back then. And uh, it dropped and looking at 92, 93, it was down to around 20%. So look at the numbers. So up around 60, 66% uh, was running in that 60, 60% uh, range up there with Reagan. Now it's, and it plummeted, man. It plummeted in 93, let's see, 92, 92, 93, right here, 94. I'm moving my mouse on the button as I talk to you, 94, 95. And then it started to kind of come up a little bit more, and that's with Clinton and uh, Bill Clinton. <clears throat> and, of course, Bill Clinton was here, uh, as, you, as you remember, from uh, 93 to 2001. He's a two-term president. 
And uh, so he he was here through 2001 before George Bush, uh, W, as we know, got in there. Not George. In fact, the first one was George. If I said that wrong, was George H.W. Bush. Hope I didn't mess that up. Uh, but that was George H.W. Bush, the first George, of course, we know was a one term president. Uh, now, so with this, with Clinton now, looking at the trend lines, uh, Clinton uh, did well. I mean, he was up because we were economically very prosper and the prosperity was good in America. And both poly, po- uh, you know, uh, parties, you know, Clinton did the, really the right thing uh, in the midterms and in the middle. Of the, he came back to work with the Republicans. So that was very smart of him. And it, it actually was his saving grace. And he governed a little differently, surely differently than his wife would have governed had she ever got in there. By the grace of God, that never happened. Um, so that was through the uh, 2000, 2003 through 2004, right there. And uh, and uh, that's with um, Bill Clinton. And then uh, George W. was oh, 2001 through 2009 uh, was George W. And looking at the trend lines there through 09, of course, you had September 11th and all that. But it started to come down a lot uh, through there. And this is before Obama now, uh, but it started to come down through 05. Remember, we had the Great Recession in 08, remember? And then uh, Bush kind of lost it all. That happened on the Republicans' watch. And W, uh, he had he did the bailout to the big auto companies. Remember, we all that happened on his watch. And he's the one I blame that set this up uh, for Barack Obama to come in. So Bush kind of lost the lead, W, and it started to decimate coming down, 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 down through 03, 04, but 05 for sure, 06, 07, 08, really plummeted down in the Great Recession. It was all the way down to 20%, uh, maybe even 19, 19, oh, 13%, 11%. So it was really low in 08. That's when Obama came in, gave hope and change. Remember that, right? Now, here's the thing. Here's the trend lines I find interesting. Through Obama, through all those years, uh, 2010 through 2015, uh, right in to, uh, to 2016 to Trump, those numbers were really low. They, they were There was not a satisfaction in the country. So Gallup still asked that question. They, they ask it you know, every year. They're still asking that question. But it, it kept very, very low. It looks like the highest was maybe 30%. 30, 30%, if you're lucky, maybe 20s, 22, 25, uh, 20, 30. Uh, each year it moves on when they ask the question, right? 25, okay, 20, 15. So that's through the Obama years. So he never moved the meter. People were never satisfied. People didn't trust Obama. And then Trump came to power, right? 2016, beat Hillary Clinton, now you see. And so the trend lines are very interesting. We had the high with Reagan, we came down with H.W., uh, the first Bush, and I hope I didn't mess that up early on, but it was the first Bush, that four years. And then, uh, right, then we had Clinton, and it came up through Clinton, right? Then we had W., and it, he, and it was okay at first with W., but then he, it came down. He just played a lot of things wrong, was playing big government. Again, this is a uniparty for a lot of these people. They're globalists, Bush and Bush and these are all globalists all the way through the all these trend lines. But we never regained our composure as a nation, is my point. The people were never satisfied. And the general question, Americans satisfied the way things are going, they never really did recover. They really, really never did recover uh, 
since the early part of the Bush years, um, and Clinton really more so, uh, and through the air, and then Reagan, of course, was very high. Never really recovered. Obama was low all the way through. People were never satisfied. Trump now, I know you were waiting for that. And uh, they never got really high with Trump. The highest was uh, 40, 41. There's a lesson here for you now, friends. This is a lesson. So through 2016, through 2017, they started to go up a little bit from Obama. There's no doubt about it. They went up to 30, 32, let's see, 36. 38 percent in 2018, uh, 30, 36, 38 percent. Right. And then in uh, 2020, uh, about 40, 41 percent people were happy. You know, uh, they were satisfied with the way things are going to the United States. But see, they never got really high for Trump. Do you see where I'm at now? It, really, the highest he got was about 35, 36 percent. And he never got the high as Reagan did, never got as high as Clinton did. Americans were never really satisfied. So see what I'm sharing with you now, friends. And a lot of that was because of the polarization that Trump brought to the table. That's what happened there. Policies were fantastic. And um, everybody uh, benefited by those policies, Democrats, Republicans, Independents across the board. But it wasn't enough. Any more than uh, voting for your economy and uh, immigration and borders and uh, no fentanyl opioids and safe for your kids. And, and either either was that good enough in, in 2022. They wanted to know the government could change the climate and that you could have an abortion. You see, and so it wasn't enough. And those policies and effective policies were not enough. And that kind of leaves you with a little bit of lesson. It should be a little gulp in your throat. It kind of tells you what would happen with Trump return to politics very uh, divisive uh, personality-wise and definitely going to uh, irritate a lot of people, a lot of people. And that's where it's a polarization of the country. Uh, but so the Americans as a whole never got satisfied really any higher than that 30s, 30, 35, 36. That's a very interesting trend line to look over 40 years. That's all I'm saying. You just look it over that and you really get a sense of what took place. So that says something to us. That should say something to where we're at right now. And you look at all of these policies now and, and you'll see, and then you look at the president of the polls of Joe Biden. I mean, these polls, I mean, his numbers, uh, they're abysmal at best. I mean, I've never seen numbers like this. I mean, that were dropping. I mean, dropping, I mean, his poll numbers run around 36%. Um, give them a, you know, a, approval. Americans give a, a negative job approval rate, negative job about 36%. Uh, so, and and of that job he's doing, 53% disapprove of that. The numbers are very, very bad. His poll numbers are typically in the 30s that care for anything he's doing. With those kinds of numbers, it should have been, uh, it should have been a part of the Red Sea, Moses, Red Tsunami come in. It should have, I mean, it should have engulfed everything. But the media narrative is that the government can change your climate. And you got to remember, you most important thing to people is to abort the kids. And uh, women voted that way, I guess, or people voted that way. And <clears throat> that's what it was. And all these other policies of that, you know, are concerning for life what went out the window. Um, well, the the wallet, uh, the kitchen table issues, uh, they took a back seat, evidently, in a lot of these areas. And to think that people in Michigan still voted for Governor Whitmer, I mean, she got in there. I mean, is that insane or what? And, and Hochul in New York got in there. 
I mean, how do these people, how do they get voted back in? And you have to then draw the conclusion that people deserve what they vote for. They deserve what they get. So in those areas of Michigan and areas throughout California and areas of Chicago and areas of New York, and, you know, they deserve, you know, a terrible economy. They deserve high gas prices. They deserve uh, uh, drugs running through the city. They deserve all the policies that they ignored. That you know, may not sound very nice, but that's exactly what they voted for. They voted for those reckless policies because they can now have an abortion that'll be, they'll be fighting that in their states and they'll be able to do that. And somehow Whitmer and Hochul and Newsom is going to you know, guarantee that they're going to be able to change the climate. Leaves you speechless, doesn't it, friends? Leaves you speechless. The ideology in our country is screwed up is what it is. It's really screwed up. It's far more than saying it's a divided nation. That's that's a cheap shot. It's a cheap shot. Any more than this is the most important election of our lifetime. It's another cheap shot. I don't want to hear again. When people say that in my company, I tell them to please shut up. You know, it's I don't want to hear and I don't want to hear that in 2024 either. Oh my God, it's the most important, just like this one. It's the most important. Everybody ready to give up now? Because the Republicans did not perform. And the election as a whole uh, is a is a you know, visible failure is what it is um, all the way across the board. It's it's the only thing that's left with this thing is divided government. You've got divided government absolutely everywhere. Uh, there is going to be no progress. Uh, it's going to it's going to be very, very. Um, I mean, one thing people would say to me is, well, at least we'll hold them at bay. Sure. You, you might be able to do some of that. Uh, and surely and we love our lives and our country. And that's a good thing. Right. That's a good thing. You can always be optimistic and draw some positive conclusions from anything, right? Uh, from about anything, just about, friends. I mean, if you're positive or optimistic, uh, you can do that. And that's where it is in America today, friends, uh, is we put the 2022 midterm election in the rearview mirror. They'll still be counting votes for days to come. Might be weeks for that matter. Who the hell knows? That's another thing I highly recommend is they get some <clears throat> election machines that work and Stop these games that are played here on election nights and just stop it. Just knock it off. And and just, you know, get voter ID card, people. Let's just know who has voted. It's not real hard. Let's just have some rules for this Monopoly game so we know what the hell we're doing. How do we play the game if we don't know the rules? Don't you think? It's time to bring some rules back in, friends. The mind of an American voter. I'll leave you there to be thinking more about all of these things. And how the ideology seems to trump all of these massive issues and how abortion and government change in the climate can also trump all of these other things. And how, you know, it's going to be a fascinating uh, electorate just ahead here as we continue onward in our nation. Godspeed America. It's time to get involved and get loud, America. America.